No part of this lecture may be reproduced in any form, even for personal use. So when his wife tells him, don't listen to what you're learning in Mithil Shishayim, he goes, oh, well, boy, so that will drive you crazy. You have a nervous breakdown. So what does he do with his wife? They go for big trips, but they can't sleep for days and days. Don't worry about nervous breakdowns over there. You might say, Don't we find that the Chachomim required always a man to regard himself with a complete carefulness? A person shouldn't put himself in danger. Even if that Sadiq who does many good deeds, the only said, Everything is in the hands of heaven except cold and heat. It means a person who exposes himself to cold, that's his own fault, or exposes himself to too much heat, that's his own fault. So you see, a person has to guard himself against weather. You should guard your lives. So how could you say we should not be afraid? You can't make it necessary to trust in Hashem in any case. You see, there are cases where you shouldn't rely on Bitochem. Even for a matter of a mitzvah, a person shouldn't put himself into danger. So what are you telling me? That we, what am I telling you? That you should disregard all of these fears and go ahead and do it anyhow? That's a question. And he answers it in the next paragraph. Say that. And now he answers, Da, you should know, Yesh Yesh There are two kinds of fear. Yesh There's a fear that's proper. Yesh And a foolish kind of fear. Yesh There's such a thing as trusting in Hashem, and there's such a thing as being wild and irresponsible if you trust in Hashem. As a man, once I run across the street against traffic, and he said, I trust in Hashem, that is nothing but wildness, and Hashem is not going to help him. The master of the world created man to have a proper mind, and the correct ideas. People are capable of thinking correctly. In order to conduct himself on a way that's good for him. And to guard against those things that harm him. So his good sense is able to tell him when it's dangerous. Now the dangers are put into the world in order to punish the wicked. And therefore, every sensible person it not only is justified, but is commanded to use his mind and to take care of himself. If somebody wishes not to conduct themselves according to their natural wisdom, and he wants to be expose himself to perils, that's not called trusting on Hashem, that's considered wildness, irresponsibility. Say that inside. Nun tesa medalev. 
Nun tes amed alas. That one of the results of the middle of laziness is that it creates unnecessary fears. That if he'll do this, something might happen to him. Maybe it's dangerous to go out or something like that. And he said that's called Pito It's only a persuasion of Yeshahara. And now he's warning, however, when there is actually a chance of sakana, then it's his duty to avoid it. That's where we're starting now. We're five lines up in the bottom. If a person puts himself into a situation of a danger, he's a sinner. Because he's doing against Hashem's will. Hashem desires that a man should guard himself. Now he said there are two reasons why misfortune will come upon this man. Very interesting to see. Two reasons, not just one reason. I'll tell you beforehand. One reason is because he is disobeying Hashem. And therefore what happens is a punishment on him. There's another reason because Hashem made certain laws of nature in the world that he wishes to be fulfilled. And those laws will cause this man to suffer too. So in addition to the fact that he's contravening Hashem's will in the laws of nature, and therefore if he comes in collision with nature, he's going to suffer. In addition to that, Hashem will punish him for the sin of not guarding himself inside. Nimshah comes out, In addition to the danger, which is naturally in this thing, which he is exposed to it because of lack of caution. But now he's making himself guilty by an actual deeds with a sin that is committing. The sin itself brings him to be punished. So if he runs across the street and it's not proper to do it, so besides the fact that the laws of nature declare that something will happen, in addition to that, Hashem is not going to punish you for what you did. You neglected to watch yourself. Now there's an important lesson that when something happens to people, in most cases, it's their own fault. And Hashem is punishing them. Like I said, A man's foolishness causes his path to become crooked. And, But his heart is angry at Hashem. He blames Hashem. But actually, in most cases, a man has to blame himself because he brought himself into various situations of sarcoma and trouble. Set that aside. The Ulam Bot, 
Ashmira Hazos. This kind of caution, Hazos Hayir, and this kind of fear, Ham Yusedes Al Hanogas that is based on the conduct of wisdom and understanding, He Horuim. That's the proper kind of caution and fear we should have. Shaleonema, on this it says, Orum ro ro The cunning man sees harm and he hides. Doesn't go ahead. Upsoyim obru, but the fools keep on going, then they are noshu and they are punished. And the girl learns pshat obru, they transgress, they are punished. So the two perishing pas over means the fools go ahead. Let's see, you see down the block a whole bunch of loafers. So they have a good sense to turn around and make a detour around the block. But the fools go ahead. Over they keep on going. But another minute over they're doing a sin and available. And then they're not and they're punished. Not merely something happens, but they're punished. So that he says, this kind of caution in Nukhzah Mitzvah. Ach ha'yir o ha'shaytu, but the foolish fear, she'yodam roitzah lo'hesif shmiras al shmiras. The man wants to add caution upon caution. Yiro al yiro, and fear and fear. Oisim mishmeras l'mishmalte, and make guard around his guard, a fence around his fence. And all based on the desire not to do something of indolence. But from this will come a nullification of learning Torah and of Yiras Hashem. Say that. Now the question is, when is it a legitimate caution? And when is it a superfluous caution? Says so the rule. Not a simple rule. Here's the rule, but the rule is not simple at all. The rule, to distinguish between the two kinds of caution, the right one and the superfluous one, where the Chachomim themselves made a distinction, and they said, where injury is found or is frequent is different. And the place what is found or frequent to have injury is different. Now that's something that's up to a judgment. Let's say everybody knows crossing Ocean Parkway is not such a simple matter as the most dangerous street in all of Brooklyn. It's been established. So therefore, at night time, if possible, you should avoid crossing. If you must, and cross with a whole group of people, you must look for a re- it ways and means to protect yourself. And anybody who disregards that is not taking proper precautions. But otherwise, there's certain things that you have to know are superfluous caution. A place where the injury is found and is known, you must be aware. But a place where the damage or injury is not known, you don't have to be afraid. On this it says, Any flaw that we don't see, we do not try to establish. 
They don't establish flaws in a case where you don't see those flaws. Now, therefore, A wise man should do only what his eyes see. And he must understand if he sees with his mind, if he sees with his seichel, then he has to obey the laws of a caution. If not, then it's superfluous. Now, that's not an easy thing. Sometimes the boundary is not so clear. Who That's a posik that we quoted above. Orum roro, a cunning man who sees harm, the nisri hides. Just a cunning man who looks ahead. He's the one who hides from danger. Say that. Question is, Hashem guards the fools. Now, Psalm doesn't mean fools. His people are persuaded. Let's say, before they knew that smoking was harmful, so those who smoked were not so exposed to the danger. Of course, there was a danger, but not the same as later. Because they didn't know, so Hashem used to guard them more. But now that they have on the package itself a warning, it's more than a passage. It's a Roshua. Hashem does not guard Roshuaim. So people that are persuaded, let's say, when the King Louis XIV was sick, so the physicians at that time, who didn't know anything, came to heal him, and they melted pearls, and they put it down his throat, melted pearls. Of course, they helped to kill him more rapidly. But, Akkadish Baruch who wants people to do what the physicians of their time think is right. And the fact that 50 years later, a physician will say it's all wrong, we have to do it according to the physicians of our time. The person runs after fakers, or not physicians, not certified people, who promise him remedies that are not guaranteed, and he should know that he is not a person. It's time a Russia, because our college boy wants you to guard yourself. Now it says, He's speaking only if a person avoids a harm that he sees, not harms that he imagines. Not what could be and might come. It says, He saw harm. So when you see harm, then it's your obligation to take it into consideration and to use caution. Well, you don't see any harm, and common sense doesn't see any harm, then extra precautions are necessary. Let's say it up to here. They know that you should take caution, that you should take care of God. Now, in the Pesach, Shem Epsoyim Hashem, the Gemara brings a case where young girls marry, very young. So aren't we afraid that they won't be able to carry out their pregnancy and will endanger their lives. So the Gemara says, Shem Epsoyim Hashem. Hashem guards those who are persuaded. It means, if the laws of nature have given people the ability to become pregnant, then I call this world see to it that the pregnancies usually are carried out successfully. And therefore, we don't have to be afraid. And if they're too young to carry out a pregnancy, then usually it won't become pregnant. And that's what he's saying. Psoim is those that are deceived by the circumstances of Hashem's creation. There, Hashem is not going to hold you responsible if you don't know. You're not going to kill people for not knowing. But when people 
already are aware of certain things that there's no excuse anymore. And certain things we know today, even though the previous generations didn't know, if I'm aware to be aware of them. But we should be aware of things that we don't even dream about and imagine that there are dangers that's only an excuse in order to avoid doing your duty. And we're going to stop here. Twelve lines up from the bottom. Humamish. Tafsameth, twelve lines up from the bottom. Before he spoke, <coughs> before he spoke <coughs> of the results of the attitude of inertia, which could that people become things which actually they shouldn't fear. This fear is engendered by laziness. Only he explained above, the lazy man is full of logical arguments why he shouldn't do things. And one of the arguments is, and sometimes he says, he has apprehension, is afraid of the results that might happen. She is justifying his meter of atlas. Now, Umamish Inyana Posik she is That's actually the Posik that he mentioned above. I quote again the Posik and explains it at length. Omar Otsil Shahal Badara Haribin Khavis. The lazy man says there's a young lion on the road. There's a lion wandering among the streets. That's why he doesn't want to go out. Because it's dangerous. They use it as material for explanation at length. Chema means a material that you can explain at length. To show how far can extend this foolish fear to keep a man away from doing good deeds. Omar they said, Seven things Shlemir said that the lazy man extends as arguments when he's being urged to go and do something. Omar they said to the Usul, the lazy man, Your Rebbe is in town. Go and learn Torah from him. Utilize the opportunity. And he answers, I'm afraid of the line on the road. That means he's out of town. In that town, his master came. He has to travel towards the town. But to travel towards the town on the road, he said, is dangerous. Maybe there'll be a lion there. Suppose they told him, Your Rebbe is in the same town already where you are. So there there's no road, a lonely road to traverse, it's all streets. Om Elohim, he says to them, I'm afraid maybe a lion came into town and the lion is wandering in the streets. So they say, Your Rebbe is now visiting you in your house. So go downstairs from your bedroom and learn from him. I mean, he says to them, Imani Elch Eslif, I'll go to him. Maybe 
אני אומר שעשה פסח נאור, אני מייד פיין, שהדלת נכנסת, הדלת נכנסת, From this last test, that all the previous answers were also nothing. Not a fear that causes him. The inertia, the cause him to be afraid. Now that's only one example. Other things can also result to lazen. Sometimes a person will say, it's not my dignity to do that, or it's too expensive to do that, or I'm too busy to do that. And the laziness is able to manufacture many different kinds of logical excuses why you should not do. Set that aside. And now I wishes to state that it's not necessary to give many examples because a person is able to use his own judgment to know when he's deceiving himself or whether he has an authentic reason. Well, about these things, the daily experience testifies about them. It means a person can know from his experience when yes and when not. Which is already widespread and well known among most people. That is their foolish way in life. And they continue to find excuses not to do what is for their benefit. A person who tries to use his mind properly in this matter, he will find the truth. It is not necessary to give an example for each possible case that might arise. A person who is sincere, as for the masculine Eldora, he will know the truth what to do. Knowledge for understanding man comes easy. That means people can choose to be understanding. And they choose not to be understanding, so they make knowledge difficult. But the person who volunteers to use his mind properly he will know what to do. And therefore, his conscience is the last resort, and he is responsible for all the things that he could have done and didn't do. I think he said that he, I've explained this subject of alacrity, of readiness to do, that's called Jesus, an explanation that's sufficient for awakening the mind to understand it. The wise man will be even wiser and add knowledge. I have to explain that last part. The truth is that whatever is said is always said in brevity. It's just said in fundamental principles. But actually nothing 
can ever cover every exigency that arises. Almost every case is unique in itself. And therefore, if a person is looking for excuses, they'll always find them. And therefore, you must take these general principles and use your own mind constantly to expand on them and apply them to every case in life. Because there's nothing in the Torah that is absolute, for instance. You can say, you should not speak evil of your fellow man. It seems a clear-cut statement. But when it comes in practice, first of all, is he a fellow man? man like that deserves you to speak evil of him. You condemn him, and you give him the category, he's not a fellow man. But say, that's not evil, there's truth. Now, the truth also sometimes is forbidden to say. And there's always some excuse for a person to wiggle out of his responsibilities. And therefore, the Torah cannot cover all the existences. Torah is only rules. But the man must know he is responsible for the base in Shalmila, for this boy who will hold him responsible, why didn't use his mind to apply it in every case. And that's why he said, the maskil, the person who wants to use his mind in a wise way, he'll be more wise, and he'll add wisdom of his own. When you tell a wise man something, he continues to use it, and become wiser and wiser because he applies it in instances that you didn't tell him. But you select and he'll add wisdom to what you told him already. So whatever you learn must serve just as a model, and you'll expect it to continue to increase that wisdom by applying it in your own way. Say that inside. Now the last words are based on a posse in Mishli. Give to a wise man and he will become even more wise. Which means two things. First of all, HaKadosh Baruch Hu gives a privilege to wise men, and he gives them opportunities to learn. person who is not interested in learning, don't want to become wise, so HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't offer him so many examples. But when a person showed that he has a desire to become wise, Hashem, Gives him wisdom to give wisdom to the wise. That's the principle. Like it says, Yahav Hakim. He gives wisdom to the wise. So first, you must be a wise man on your own. Then Hashem helps you succeed more in the pursuit of wisdom. Then, that's the first thing. So ten lechacham. Give to a chacham. Put your efforts into a chacham. Let's say the number of people, and some are foolish people, and some are wise people. So your efforts should be dedicated to the wise people. It's like putting an investment in something that pays off more. Don't invest in something that pays off less. So the wise people, it pays to invest your efforts more. And so I call this board, invest more efforts in the wise man. But first he has to become a wise man on his own. A second meaning of this passage, also included in the words, give to a wise man, he has to become wiser and wiser. Not enough that he receives a gift of wisdom, that Hashem gave him this wisdom. He has to take that wisdom and enlarge on it, he has to invest it, and make it bigger and bigger on his own. So there's two ways. First, you have to start out with wisdom on your own, and Hashem will reward you by giving you more opportunities. But the more opportunities you get, you're expected to utilize them, not just to put them away, like somebody gives you a beautiful safer. Do you put it on the shelf and forget about it? No. Give you a safer, you have to open the safer. 
and see what's inside. And therefore, Hashem gives you wisdom. Not enough that He gave you a gift of wisdom, but so you have to utilize the wisdom to expand on it. Now the next paragraph. And you see now, it's proper that Zrizus should follow in the degree after the hills. Now this is the plan of the Messiah Hashem. It's like a ladder. And each step is a preparation for the step above it. That's how the whole safe is built. You are higher and higher. And therefore, he explains why Zrizus follows the hearers. Now Zrizus is a quality of being careful, trying to avoid doing wrong things. A negative attitude. Keep away from bad influences, from bad deeds. And then, the next is to go ahead and do good things. Like he says, Sur but I say to. First turn away from evil and then do good. So he said that's a proper arrangement. That first the hills and then Zelizus. Ki alhoroi, I said usually, sometimes, in some cases are exceptions, but usually, lo yia odem zoris, and lo yia zohebukhil. A person won't be a zoris to do things with interest, with enthusiasm, unless first he learns to avoid doing the things that are wrong. Happens sometimes, a man has wrong habits, still he has certain attitudes of being willing to do certain things. But that's unusual. In most cases, a man who is careless in avoiding wrong things is also the same who is lazy to do right things. The person won't apply his mind to be careful with his deeds. All this and to think about the service of Hashem and all the subdivisions. He doesn't want to think about the obligations, what he has to watch out for, what he has to be aware of. In the same manner, that's his Zahirus means to be aware of what's wrong and thinking of your obligations to Hashem. It's difficult for him to clothe himself with a love to the service of Hashem and energy for it. To be active with the desire to serve his Creator. And a person doesn't have the previous attitude of keeping away from wrong things and guarding his path in life, and most likely this person won't have any interest in doing things to serve Hashem with positive deeds. This man is still drowning, is sinking in his physical lusts. And he runs in the path of his habit. He's running in his path of life like somebody running blindly without knowing where he's going, but he's running. He can't stop running. And that running causes him to be far away from all kinds of thinking. That's how most people are. They're running all their lives without stopping to think where they're running to. And therefore, these people are not able to stop and think about their obligations or what they could accomplish in life. But after he opens up his eyes, after he opens up his eyes to see his deeds, he thinks about himself, and be careful with his deeds. 
And he made a calculation of the commandments and the sins that he has to avoid. Like he said above, once a man makes that preparation, that he's thinking about himself, and he's serious about avoiding all negative things, then no kelhulo sheyosemin hora, then it's easier for him to keep away from wrong things, or yishtake alato, and he'll begin to desire the things that are good to do them. Yishtake boy and have energy. Is that possible? It's not so cautious. But he says, and largely it's so. When a person trains himself first to be careful with all the things that is forbidden to do, and he watches out, keeps an eye on himself, he's thinking about Akkadish Baruch he's thinking about his purpose in life, has to be careful with himself. A person like that is more liable to become an Israeli afterwards, and have enthusiasm to serve Hashem and accomplish and doing great things for himself. Say that. Up till now, he has spoken in generalizations and does not spend time giving examples of various things that people should not do or should do. Now he begins a new subject called Nikias. Nikias means purity. That's a higher degree. Before we started, some people have a question, why should we bother to go ahead? We have not yet acquired the first two degrees. However, it's not a valid argument. By studying the degrees of the more perfect people, we get an aspect, an idea, what a Kodesh Bore would like us to be. When a man is able to look very high, he's able to think of himself, maybe I can go higher than I am, even though he won't reach those heights. That's why it pays to learn all the future chapters, even though we may never reach those degrees, but it will give us an ambition at least to aspire to them. Now, in the chapter 11, that's after this, there are 28 pages. But also from those things that the mind is persuaded to give himself permission to do it. Now we have to understand this. A person is most influenced by his own desires. When it comes to judgment about himself, he's the least capable of recognizing himself. A stranger can recognize in a moment, certain things about you, you'll never know all your life. The greatest blindness is a blindness about recognizing who you really are. Even the real criminals have a good opinion of themselves. They justify themselves. The most difficult thing in life, all the secrets of the Torah, nothing is as difficult to learn as the truth about oneself. That's one of the great teachings of these five. And by learning these foreign, people open up their eyes and actually see something about us. A man can be arrogant and hated by everyone, and he doesn't realize it, and he thinks that he's popular, and he thinks that if anybody opposes him, they're wrong. And all his life, he walks blindly, he loses friends, his children go away from him. Many times he loses out with his own wife, and he doesn't even begin to understand that it's this corruption of character that's causing all this. 
for he doesn't begin to understand anything about himself. Others see it. Immediately they can see it. That's a great problem that's being discussed in the Kiyos. The Kiyos means not only avoiding wrong things, not only doing more or less your obligations as a firm shim, but it's in seeing who you really are, which is not such an easy thing to do. It's a great wisdom when people begin to get a certain amount of insight about themselves. That's where we're stopping now. Aleph. Summit Aleph, the bottom line. He explains the subject that is now at hand, that's called Nikius, which means purity. Now, in general, it's the same as we said before, to be careful to fulfill all the low sizes, that's the hills, and to be careful to fulfill all the mistress, I say that's species. But Nikias as another madrege of perfection, which means pure of wrong motivations. Because people can do things which seem right, but in their minds they have the wrong attitudes. Just one a simple way you can dab them. Without Kabana? No, he's dabbing like anybody else. And you don't see anything wrong in his oven, but still, it's a big blemish. Now, the thing's more subtle than that. When people will do things that are right, but they want to get recognition from people, want cover, that is certainly a certain moon, because they're not doing it perfectly, the Shem Shamayim. Therefore, Nikias is a higher madrege, not only he's fulfilling the Torah in actions that you outwardly seem good, but also his mental attitudes, his midas, and his thoughts are pure. That's what Nikias is. Now as a result of that, he'll do these same things that others do in a better way too. Even outwardly, it'll be different. When a person is inwardly motivated, He'll certainly do things outwardly better than others who don't have the inner motivation. Let's turn over. That when you search on certain things that people will permit themselves to do, will find that this heter that he gave himself a permission to do something, and he can justify it with a certain logic. That logic is only based on the fact that his mind is still plagued by the influence of some desire that he wants. And that desire causes him to consider the heta sufficient. Now, he wouldn't have made that heta had he had a purity of heart. But because he has a motivation, therefore it's like bribery. And that motivation bribes him to think that this has a sufficient. He He's not entirely pure of that type, of that lust, of that passion, of that motivation. Al-Kain, 
Therefore, it draws him on, it attracts him to be a makal and to find reasons to justify why he can be lenient to himself in that matter. And that really includes everything, because the motivations control all that we do. And when a person is bribed by his leaders, then his whole life is considered as if he's doing only a service to his own passions and not to the cycle. In the thousands of ways, this holds good. It's one of the big problems, the big matters that people have to think about when the great day of judgment will come before HaKodesh Baruch Hu. And then, he won't have anything to answer, but he'll recognize that he had been bribed. For instance, the brothers of Yosef, they thought he was a wicked fellow, and he deserved to be destroyed. Only they did the Shnimishu Asadin, they allowed him to live. So they complimented themselves that what they did was more than he deserved. Finally, when they were standing in Messiah before the mission of Amalek, and he opened his mouth, he said, I need Yosef, they were dumbfounded. Not merely dumbfounded with surprise and fear. They were dumbfounded, they saw their judgment was wrong. That he was a man who was destined for greatness. They had misjudged him. They had thought he was a low fellow who was scheming and plotting to gain favor with his father by bringing stories against them. The Baalash Nehore considered himself a Novi, but he was a faker. His dreams were false, or dreams were imagination of his own, and now they saw the truth. And so they saw that they are midas, that they are jealous of him. That's what the Torah reveals, by the brothers were jealous of him. But the father gave him recognition with a special suit of clothing. But they didn't suspect that they had kin in them, but you can't know, but they were jealous. If you would have told them that, they would have denied it. No. And they would have brought proofs why this man is a danger to the family. And so the time will come when everybody will be in the same situation. Akkadish Boy will suddenly confront him with the truth, and just like the brothers of Yesu became speechless, he couldn't answer. They saw how wrong they had been and they understood it was based on jealousy, people would then see that their actions were based on me, this was jealousy or laziness or other reasons, and they won't be able to answer the their judgment. If a person becomes perfectly clean of this plague, and he's purified for every wrong influence, that this type or this passion, this emotion, leaves, sometimes he doesn't feel it anymore. He thinks that that's a past history. No. The past emotions and typhus leave a certain impression on him. He doesn't realize that he's not clean, he's not purified of that impression. So a person, however, who studied himself and he purified himself, then what he sees he sees with a perfect clarity. We have Chonosir Zako, and his understanding is pure. It means that his judgment now is not clouded by any personal bias. And his desires would not incline him, would not bend him to any direction. He'll just follow what the circle tells him, what the Torah tells him. Shalom Koma Shuhu 
Hello, call Masher anything is a hit, I feel she calls she be called even the most lenient of Khatwaya. Even it's a very small hat. Takirehu Shira he'll recognize that it's wrong. And keep him away from as far away. It means this. Of course, if it's a very open head, let's say there's a piece of ham. So, even a person who is not pure of his motivation understands that's also, and that's all, Shabbos, to smoke on Shabbos. Naturally, he won't smoke on Shabbos. But there are things that are more delicate. For instance, sometimes when people break up, and husbands and wives, they ruin their lives, and each one has reasons. And the reasons seem very good. Actually, they're blinded by each one by his own prejudice, his own selfishness, his own stubbornness, his willfulness. And therefore, when people are able to purify their minds, then they won't be deceived by their passions to do wrong things. And very many decisions in life are made only on the basis of a person's passions. And they're things that you cannot see openly. And therefore, how fortunate is a person that worked on himself, he studied himself, and if he discovered certain tendencies, he tries to change them in order to gain a fairness, a clarity, independence of being swayed by his passions. He quotes a statement, on those perfect people, that purify their deeds with a perfect purity, it shouldn't be even the smallest sign, smallest mark of anything wrong. That's a certain expression. The pure-minded people of Yerushalayim, for instance. So the pure-minded people of Yerushalayim, when they sign their names, they signed only Yosef ben Shimon. Even the word aid, word witness, they didn't want to add. Because they didn't want to add a superfluous word. These are people who guarded themselves not to say what wasn't necessary. They counted their words. Now these people trained themselves to become the key Hadas. In Yerushalayim, there was a certain uh, tendency among the higher levels of everyday Hashem not only to be pious Jews, but to be people who study themselves and purify themselves and their minds became clean, called Nikiadas, they're clean-minded people, which means they were clean, careful, which means thinking about yourself, thinking about your path in life, thinking about your behavior, and Noki, those who are pure in their midas. At first sight it would seem that they're both the same. If you're thinking about yourself, so you're going to recognize if you're doing what's right or not. Is there not a difference? Although they're close together in the subject, in the name of these two subjects, however, the Zohir is somebody who's careful in his deeds. And he ceased not to sin and those things that he knows are wrong. That are well known by everybody as a chet. So the Zohir is capable of avoiding those things that everybody recognizes as wrong. It's also an excellent thing. 
Sur merah, turn away from evil. So the Zohir, it's called a careful person, is trained himself to think about is it right, is it wrong, and therefore he can keep away from things that are known to be wrong. Omnom adayan einen odomas, but still he's not a master over himself. That his mind shouldn't be drawn after the natural desires. And therefore, some things that he doesn't recognize that are wrong, very many things, he can be misled by his interests, his passions, his bribery of himself. So the Zohir can be a firm Jew, and still he can do very many wrong things because he hasn't trained to control his inner emotions, his inner reactions. And therefore these inner reactions bribe him and they blind him to think that this and this is permissible or this and this is the right path when actually it sometimes can be very wrong. Stay on the side. Next chapter, which is the longest chapter in the Sefer, he brings many examples, many practical examples. Five lines down in the paragraph Behind Choroya. Shalom Tatehu. He's saying that the natural instinct of inertia influences his mind <laughs> to show him permission, license and those things whose evil is not openly known. And some things are not so plainly recognized as evil things. And in those instances it's easy for the Yesahara of indolence to persuade him that it's mutter to do this and this. Of course, where it's openly forbidden, so an observant Jew probably wouldn't do it. An open obligation. Everybody re recognized, like putting on tefillin, so his laziness probably would not be strong enough to dissuade him from putting on tefillin. But there are certain things that are not clearly indicated but when the person knows the truth, he absolutely must do them, only it's easy to overlook the truth in those cases, then the Yetzirah of Atzlus can persuade him to give himself a heter not to do it. Although this man attempts to restrain his wrong inclinations, the Lichpes is Tavosot, and he tries to force his passions to remain in control. But not because of that will he change his nature. And if his nature is be, to be indolent, to postpone, or to find excuses not to do things, or to find excuses why he should be able to do certain things, he won't be able to remove from his mind the physical desires. 
This he would do. He would be able to conquer it. It means he won't let his desires gain control of him. But they're there also. Despite the fact that he is many a control over them, but in his mind, these passions are still functioning. Even though this man goes after the dictates of wisdom, and he doesn't go after his passions, nevertheless, at least, the darkness of the gashmias, of materialistic instincts, will do what it has to do, to persuade him. What is he saying here? In the previous two sections, he spoke about avoiding forbidden things by the heroes, and the necessity to do his obligation in his And now he's beyond that point. He's talking about a person who does what he has to do, and he doesn't for- commit sins. But there are certain areas where it's not so clear. For instance, sometimes it's a matter how to judge people, what to say about people, and your dealings with your fellow man, they're all complicated things. And you don't have an open halacha that states this and this is the way you should behave. It needs judgment. In most cases in life, that's how it is. You don't find a parallel to it in the shulchanah. You must use a judgment. And therefore, in those instances, his instincts that he didn't conquer yet will mislead him and tell him, you have a right to do this in this way. Now he's saying, in addition to that, let's say a person does not do anything wrong. He does only what is halacha requires, and he controls himself. Nevertheless, in his mind, his motives, his motives are adulterated by wrong passions. Let's say, a person will go, let's say, to a wedding. And he won't do anything wrong, but he sees women there, and if his mind is not trained in the middle of Yeras Chet, which he's dealing with now, of, of Tahara, of purity that he's dealing now, so a man's mind could wander too. And he allows himself license to, to think, even though he's behaving decently, but his mind allows himself to think wrong thoughts. Now that surely is not a servant of Hashem. So now we see that even though you learn to control yourself, which is a good, a good thing, and learn to behave. He doesn't participate, let's say, in a mixed dancing. He wouldn't do that. But even then, even though there's a mechitza, and everything is separate, and kosher yosha, nevertheless, a person who is not trained in taharo can have in his mind all kinds of thoughts and attitudes which adulterate the purity of his service to Hashem. Say that. The last part. He wants to stress the necessity for working on the media of Tahara. You might say, well, once we are have gone through the subject of Zahiras and the subject of Zrizas, that's enough. So he's explaining that in case a person did not make an effort to acquire Tahara, that's a purity of motives, he should know that two big Mikhsholim remain. One is that sometimes there are things that are not clearly indicated whether they're smutter or osa. And those areas, his habits of thinking will mislead him to do what's wrong. And the person that is a Zohir and a Zohis, 
but he hasn't made his mind a guide to lead him in the right direction, then sometimes it's not clear what a person should do. And those instances, he will be misled. And there are very many instances like that. And the second is, even if a person would never walk off their path, they'll always do what's right. Nevertheless, his good deeds are adulterated by kavanas that are wrong because he didn't purify his mind. Now the next, Omnum. I explained, When a person trains himself for a long time and this carefulness, like we said above, then automatically his mind begins to adjust. Now that's a separate subject. I mean, in addition to working directly on your mind, in the course of time, when people labor on zeros and zrizes, automatically the mind begins to adjust in such a manner that it thinks more of a pure manner. Because that's the way habit of the exteriority begins to control the interiority. But that's a long time when people continue to be trained in the ways of keeping the Torah, then in the course of time their minds also become acclimated in that direction. Until he gains the first degree of purity from the well-known sins. So it means when it comes to things that are clear, that are known to be sins, his mind agrees. Not only his body and his limbs conform, but his mind agrees. That's the way they do. Yes. Now he's telling us, in one area, the labor on changing the mind is not necessary. Of course, it helps, but it's not essential because living according to the Torah in the course of time, certain attitudes are gained just from living it out with certain acts. Let's say, when people are accustomed to keeping kosher for a long time, so they have no interest in things that are not kosher. Not a, a beginner sometimes eats kosher, but he casts longing eyes when he passes a store where forbidden foods are displayed. But a man who grew up in a house of kashas, so his mind is already acclimated to that, so his thoughts already despise it. Like it says, you should make them abominated by you in the Torah. You should make the abominations abominated. So people who grew up in kashas abominate things that are not kosher, which is already a madregi in tahara. It's a form of purity of mind. That's the first degree. But that's only the well-known things that are considered sins. He will accustom himself now in the service of Hashem and the alacrity of Hashem. Not only he'll be aware of doing wrong things, but he gains a certain energy, like people who are accustomed to put on tefillin. They put on tefillin always, never a question of being too lazy for that, because it's an open thing, and their minds are trained to it. And his love to HaKadosh Baruch Hu begins to grow in him, and his desire to Hashem. So he the power of this practice, begins to cause him to be more and more distant from the matters of materialism, from the physical 
desires that ordinary people are subject to. I think when people continue for a long time, then they go from the first madrege to beware of veras before somers and to despise them, and later even think they are not so clearly open. Still, their mind is already attuned to the derachatayra, and they gain insights. Like a person who is accustomed to be a uh, guide to guide ships into the harbor. For many years he's been coming in and out of the harbor, so instinctively he knows where not to go, where he should go. And therefore, habit also causes the mind to improve. And of course of time, being a from Jew for many years, certainly has a beneficial effect on the man's mind, and he begins to despise the wicked things of the world, all the evil practices of the nations, and he understands in his feelings, not only in his acts, he feels an empathy, he feels together with the Torah, like the Torah wanted him to feel. He feels this kidusho and this, it's a, it's a covet, it's a, uh, elevation for a person to do right things. That happens as a result of years and years of practicing zahiras and zahiras. Until eventually, it cannot arrive at the true purity. So that the fire of the physical desires will be extinguished within him. Because the desire for divine things becomes stronger and stronger in him. Now that's if a person, of course, is not in contact with the world's ideas. Let's say if he reads their newspapers and hears their broadcasts, so he's still in contact and he's being poisoned all the time. But let's say the old time Jew who had no connection with the outside world. So as long as he continues to keep the Torah, so little by little his mind changes and when he reaches, let's say, an advanced age, he's already a man with a pure mind and he looks down on all the wrong things automatically. Now that, however, takes a long time. That doesn't preclude the necessity for studying the subject of Tahara to directly attack the subject as you're going to speak about soon. But still, for people who have done this for a long time and lived lives of being separated from the Havle Hagoyim and just living according to the dictates of the Torah, in the course of time, this man's mind becomes purified. We Then his view of everything becomes pure and clean. Like he wrote above, he'll never be persuaded. And the darkness of his physical being will never be able to cause him to make an error. He become pure entirely. Now that's one of the reasons that women, even though they didn't study these foreign but they live in the from home, in the from atmosphere, and they keep everything, and of course, of time, they can become pure in mind, and you have full, full tahara, just like one of the studied Musa. That's an important point. But nobody should rely on that, especially today, when we're in contact with the Gentile, we speak their language, then we have to know that it's coming in every day from the outside world, new tithes. New mistakes. We have to, the battle is going on every day. 
the old time Jews, let's say in Europe, about a uh, hundred years ago, had a principle not to be able to speak Russian. It was an ideal not to be able to speak Russian, although there was a drawback. Without Russian, you couldn't do business well. They spoke a broken language. So the Gentiles looked down on the Jews who spoke a broken Russian. When the Moschino came along, they said, in their shame, that Jews should speak a broken language? Why not speak a perfect language? So they approached the Gdali Israel with the proposition that all the Jewish boys should be taught Russian. The Gdali Israel refused. It's like not being able to speak English. It was an ideal not to have contact with the outside world. Because if you do, the fact that you're a from Jew will not be able to overcome all the wickedness that continually pours in from the outside. So those Jews who were isolated from the outside world, and even when they dealt with the Gentiles, it was only strictly business, and they didn't have any communications with their literature, with their culture, didn't socialize at all with them, didn't read the same newspapers, didn't hear the same broadcast, had nothing to do with them. So in the course of time, all the people who kept the Torah gained a purity of mind. That's a very important point. However, today, it's not so because we are in constant contact with the outside world. The fact we speak their language already is a big channel from the outside to the inside. And therefore, it's important for us today more than ever before to work directly on the meat of Tahara. We cannot rely merely on the fact that in the course of time, by practicing the Torah completely, our minds will change. No. We have to work on our minds directly. Set that aside. David rejoiced that he possessed this quality of Nikias. That means his mind was clear of motivations that were not pure. Very many said, Elchaz bin Yekoyen Kapai, I wash my hands with purity. And I go around your Mizbeach. I mean, I serve you at your Mizbeach. That means, David made it his business to think beforehand if he has any wrong motivations. Maybe sometimes it's a good demonstration for a king to show that he is People will praise him. So he cleared his mind of all unworthy motivations and he approached to with a pure mind, only because he loved that Kaddish Baruch and he wanted to serve him. Ki be'emes, rak mi she'yenok eregamri mikol nidnit chet elven, hu aroi lirais es me'amel Hashem. But actually, the truth is, only one who can cleanse himself of every trace of sin, he is the one who is deserving to appear before the face of Hashem. That means you have to be pure, come before Hashem. And therefore, it requires the effort to think and to cleanse your mind, and David exerted that effort. Otherwise, he should be ashamed to appear before Hashem, because Hashem sees what he's doing in his mind. 
And how can you come before Hashem with wrong ideas in your head? So you should be ashamed to come before Him. It's not like you come before a boss of a dumb who doesn't know what's in your heart. But Hashem looks through you and sees. I'm ashamed to raise my face to you. It means I know that I don't have a purity of heart. And therefore, David was able to state that he made that effort and was able to cleanse his heart when he came before Hashem to serve him. Say that. Certainly, it is a considerable amount of work for a person before he can reach the perfection of this meter. Because the sins that are openly recognized are easy for a person to be aware of them. Because the harm and the wickedness of them is exposed. So anybody who has any kind of serious attitude towards the Torah is easy for him to avoid what's absolutely clearly awesome. But this very great carefulness and punctiliousness that's necessary for Nikias, that's already very difficult. And we have to understand that if we didn't study the subject, it seems he's talking in the air. What's so difficult? And the answer is, when we talk to our fellow man, we are flattering them. We're confident them. Actually, if you analyze your motives when you talk to people, you're not talking just with purity of heart. You're saying things in order to make a good impression with him. Or if he's your enemy, you want to hurt his feelings? Like some people with their wives, always hurting their wives' feelings, their husbands' feelings. They're not talking with a purity of heart. And therefore, in order for a man, when he speaks to Hashem, to be able to feel that he's talking with an honesty of intent, he must first learn the attitude of examining himself, of recognizing himself. And that's not an easy subject. The permissiveness that a man is willing to give himself license to do things, covers up sins. Now this is a subject we're going to talk about while we're learning this session. And there's a quite a revealing subject. Most people don't begin to realize how much every human being is busy justifying himself. Everybody is right. Every deal with a couple that's fighting, one a divorce, both are absolutely right. Yes, once in a while they admit he has certain virtues, but in general it's no good, or she is no good. And the truth is, both are wrong. And both are right. Both are right that they are false. Everybody has faults, and they don't want to recognize their faults. And now he's saying, this business of being able to see what's wrong with your attitudes, your meters, your excuses, your alibis, your self-defense, that's a very great task, and it depends on people who are serious enough to gain at least part of it. Can't do the whole thing. It's a little bit of it. It's also worthwhile. To gain an attitude of recognizing who you are. It says in Mishle, Derech Evil, you are sure be enough. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes. Every fool, which means all of us, 
our path in life is right in our eyes. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes. Only a wise man listens to counsel. Now, counsel sometimes hurts. When somebody will tell you what's wrong with you, it hurts, and you become his enemy. Don't want to hear anymore. But a chokham listens, and he takes it to heart, and you become better. Also, sometimes a wife can tell the husband a criticism, but nobody else will tell him. And it's a true criticism. So, Now, this is a very big subject, the subject of self-analysis, to recognize who we are. And one of the big factors of our voida Hashem. Now, how great it is, we'll see in the following pages. Set up here. That's the subject which the Chachamim said. The sins that a man tramples under his heels, they're the sins that will rise up and surround him on the day of judgment. What does that mean? The things that a person ignores. The sins that he knows about. These sins, after all, are not so serious no matter what they are because he recognizes them so he has a certain remorse. When a person has remorse, charote is a very big limbus on him, a very big virtue. But there are many things that people trample under their feet and don't even pay attention to them. They make nothing out of them in two ways. First of all, they don't even think that they did anything wrong. And if they did wrong, it's not so bad. They mitigate, they diminish the importance of the sin. Now it says, what should I fear in the days of evil? Let's say sometimes a danger comes. What should a person be afraid of? That which sin will cause him the most peril? The sin of my heels will surround me. And this thing, when I said, the sins that people trample under the heels, they're the ones to be afraid of. Let's say a person is now in an accident and is in big peril. Let's say he's almost making a collision with another car. In that moment, what should he be afraid of? His sins. Now, which sins are the ones that are going to speak up against him most? The sins that he doesn't think about. They're the ones that will be most vociferous in accusing him. Because he has no remorse for them. Well, that is the only result, they said. Rubon the Gezel. Most people are initial in Gezel. They're taking other people's property. And they're not aware of it. Don't even think it's wrong. If you want to know how true this is, stand at a fruit store and see how people pick rapes and eat them, or pick a peanut, and walk off. And that's gezel. It's gezel de reise. And what I said, no clear difference. A penny or a thousand dollars is gezel. And that's only the smallest thing. Very many people, and I don't think to realize that you have to study. Let's say you go into your neighbor's house to a visit, and by accident you break something, and don't even think of paying for it. But you're required to pay, even though you didn't intend to break it. And even though the neighbor said, oh, forget about it, if you'll send him a check, he won't send it back to you. And so there's so many things in Gezel that people are unaware of that it's important to learn about the coming, about Messiah, about Basra. It's important to know what Gezel means. So most people are nichshel in Gezel. Only a minority are nichshel in, in immoral crimes. We're talking about the from Jewish nation. Otherwise, it's not so uh, small a number. Yeah, like stories you hear constantly. A grandfather raped his granddaughter. Among the fire. Always taking place such things. All the firehouses, brothers and sisters. Terrible thing. I mean, nobody talks about it. But among the former, it's very, it's rare. It's rare. 
But the almost all of them, he teaches all of them, are in some form of Russian horror, which is also not a small sin. Because it's such a delicate matter, most people, he says everybody, I'm saying most, he says everybody is nirshal, they stumble. Because they don't recognize that they did something wrong. So when people are talking, and sometimes they talk at length, we have to know it's impossible to avoid a sin of Russian horror. He says, In a multitude of talk, you cannot avoid doing something wrong. And when people visit each other, or call in a telephone, there's no question they're doing things that are no less than eating nevelet. The same is as the rice, because they're not aware of it. Unless they study the subject very much, and they think about it, like we're saying here, they examine themselves, would they like people to say that Chaim is not a big chokham, or Kayla is not a good cook? And therefore, even though you didn't really mean to, then the greater person much, but you said that in the course of talking, you did something which is a real lotion hard the and people are unaware of it, but these sins will someday rise up and accuse him in a time when he needs help, say that. Subject, it's important to know that most of a man's averes are committed at home, between him and his wife. What he says to her and she says to him, because him biting words, words that hurt, are a very serious averes, and that goes on constantly. That's a very frequent thing, and nobody thinks about that. That that's going to be a reason that our college brother will take it into consideration. When a man needs help, these things that he ignores and tramples on will rise up and speak against him. The armor was She David, David was careful. And he was cleansing himself, he purified himself with a complete purity in all these things. He knew what he had to do, and he always works on himself in these matters. That's why he went into battle with a strong trust in Hashem. Otherwise, you have to be afraid. What's going to happen to me? Things that I ignored will now rise up against me in a time of need. But David went into battle because he had made sure previously that whatever could he find, he would cleanse himself from. And he requested Hashem, Let me pursue my enemies and I shall overtake them. I will not come back until I destroy them. Now that kind of a prayer, he said, not everybody had the right to ask. Even who was a righteous king, didn't have the boldness to say such a thing. And even Osa, also a man of tzaddik, and Yechizkiyahu, a big tzaddik. But David was so confident that Hashem was on his side because he purified himself so completely that he could go into a battle and say, you're going to help me until I destroy my enemies. Now sometimes you come back, you're happy to be alive. Or you didn't destroy anybody. But they said, no, I should not return until I destroy my enemies. That's a very big commitment. I won't come back until I destroy my enemies. How could you say such a thing? Maybe the enemy will be too powerful. You'll have to retreat. No, don't say I won't retreat. How could you say that? Because he was confident, as a result of the purity of his heart, that Hashem would carry on his bakosha. But these tzaddikim, Yehoshaphat, also Hizkiah, who were very prominent among the righteous kings of Yehuda, couldn't ask such a thing. If the Yishalah Hoyom and Hakim called God, they couldn't purify themselves to the same degree that they didn't 
No part of this lecture may be reproduced in any form, even for personal use.